All right, welcome back. This is episode 23 of the Mob Squad pod presented by Blue Wire Hustle. And this week, you got me, lucky you, and you got Manny. Manny, what's up? What's up, Nick? How you doing, my friend? I'm sure uh, after Sunday's game, we're feeling a lot more better, huh? A lot. A lot, a lot. Um, that was what my soul needed. I don't know about you, but my mm-hmm. soul needed a Rams victory, and it needed a convincing victory. Might not look like it in the score, but to me, that was a pretty convincing victory. I don't know how you looked at it. No, I mean, listen, after that debacle in Miami, listen, you've had two weeks to try to get it together, per se, right? Um, and then you're facing a Seattle team, which we all know what's, what is Russell Wilson, and we all know that their defense was vulnerable. So I was hopefully expecting, um, you know, listen, I guess our main issues have always been how we start off on offense, right? So you go out there. Um, in the first quarter, you get 10 points or whatnot, but then you're actually moving the ball. And yet, I think it wasn't until like midway, second or third quarter, where, you know, at least on offense, you kind of got a little bit worrisome, but then that's when the defense started to kick in, man. They shut down the Seahawks offense. Um, Jalen Ramsey shut down Metcalf. He had no space to do anything. And of course, you would want to see that type of performance after just a freaking egg <laughs> in Miami a couple of weeks back. So, um, as you said, man, convincing. Um, not only just a victory, but it's something that they could definitely use going forward, um, you know, as a confidence boost, you know. So, definitely, definitely great to see. Yeah. So, what we didn't get to see in the Dolphins game was pretty obvious. We said, hey, league's worst rushing defense we should run the ball a lot and we didn't get that this game was against the league's worst passing defense and we thought hey you guys better come out and chuck it this time and they did so jared threw the ball 37 times had 27 complete 27 completions had 300 yards so and we had 100 yards rushing on the ground to boot so i mean if you could do that that's pretty good that's a good little uh uh balance i would say And so the Rams actually came out and did what I think we all expected them to do and probably what they should have done. So the offense showed up, they did their part, but I think you and me would both agree that where this team has made their identity and the, maybe the coming out party for everyone to see during this game was how good this Rams defense is. Of course. I mean, listen, you had six sacks total, right? I mean, it's never easy to contain a Russell Wilson. But for you to be able to get pressure, time in and time out, um, and showing it just in different formations, different schemes, you know, like at one point I saw three-man pressures getting to Russell Wilson, and I was thinking to myself, man, like, you know, today the D-line came to eat today, right? You know what I'm saying? It's just, just one of those games that no matter what happens, you had total confidence as the game goes on, on in this defense, um, you know, and then, you know, Leonard Floyd got into the action for sure. I mean, right now, all the only thing that Bears fans are talking about is because Leonard Floyd got the player of the week nominee, right? So, so then you go ahead. So now the Bears fans, are thinking, they're, 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 you know, up in Chicago thinking, well, what did we do wrong? And, you know, that Floyd, he never, listen, Leonard Floyd has either the same amount of sacks or more combined as Mac. And as Robert Quinn, okay, if that's not saying what Leonard Floyd has become all of a sudden for the Rams, I don't know what does. But that stat right there was just astonished to me. 
Uh, but like I said, man, the way that you were able to just corral Russell Wilson, not let him escape from the pocket and create those four or five extra plays, there was probably two or three plays though that he did get out of and he found Tyler Lockett. Um, but still, to be able to control that, um, you know, and especially, listen, we know they don't have a running game, right? Let's be honest here. Um, no matter who their running backs were, uh, listen, if you couldn't, you know, contain those guys after not being able to, to contain, you know, a couple of other guys in San Francisco, which that game still bugs me up to this day. But still, overall, you locked them down from the second quarter on um, without question. OK, only nine points total from the second quarter of the game all the way to the fourth. Okay. And like I just said, six sacks, he had two interceptions against them. The only – Russell Wilson averaged only five yards per throw. I mean, listen, seven for 14 on third down, that's not bad at all. That's that's winning football right there. So, hey, it was great to see at least that side of the defense show up in a crucial, crucial division game. Yeah, this is uh, – I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but I want to say at least five or six times now this season – the Rams defense has only allowed a field goal or less in the entire second half. And they did that again this past week against Seattle. Seattle had seven points in the first quarter, six in the second, none in the third quarter and a field goal in the fourth quarter. So that is phenomenal. And speaking to the sack numbers that you had mentioned, what might be even more, I guess, startling would be the word is if I told you the Rams had, six sacks as a team and I said how many of those sacks came from Aaron Donald you would assume he got at least one right (laughs) yeah you would assume that at minimum he had one or two but he actually had none uh Floyd had three Brockers had one uh and then Terrell Lewis had the other two so uh the fact that the defense is you know stepping up because obviously and we saw during this game Aaron Donald is going to get double teamed. There was even a screenshot going around Twitter where he got triple teamed on a couple plays. So if that's going to be the case, if if he's going to get double teamed and triple teamed and and get all this attention, the rest of the team is going to have to step up, which we were kind of worried about from the start at the beginning of the season because we were like, hey, who's going to replace Dante Fowler? Who's going to be our other rusher? Is Leonard Floyd really that guy? And it turns out he might be that guy, at least in Brandon Staley's defense, because right now – his season total, he's already matched his career high, which was his rookie year in sacks. And we still have half the season to go. So maybe Leonard Floyd is that guy. Who knows? Um, the other, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say it was a coming out party for him, but the guy that really had, I guess, his stamp on this game. Number 31. Be, uh you know, I will let you talk about D will because D will's the man. What I was gonna say, uh, because that's a fair point too, but I was gonna say Jalen Ramsey. Um, no, 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 for sure, for sure. Everyone going into this game and and rightfully so, DK Metcalf's a really good wide receiver and and he was probably one of the biggest steals of that draft class. But Jalen Ramsey absolutely shut him down. There was mm-hmm. nothing for DK Metcalf out there. He had zero targets in the first half, and he didn't even catch his first pass until it was less than one minute left in the third quarter. So Russell Wilson has been on one this entire season, and so has DK. They've been a really good one-two punch. But Jalen Ramsey said, nah, boy, that ain't happening today. So Jalen Ramsey straight up shut him down. And for the most part, from what I could tell, the entire Rams defense, like their pass coverage 
was in zone, but every mm-hmm. play Ramsey was one-on-one with Metcalf. So they kind of used, I guess you would say like maybe a hybrid defensive scheme where everyone's in zone, but Jalen Ramsey is going to be straight one-on-one man-to-man with DK wherever he goes, every play. And he really stepped up. I, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. And you could definitely tell towards the end of the third quarter that DK was not having a good day. There was some visible uh, anger and upset after some plays. So you could tell that it was definitely getting into his head. Uh, the other note that I, I thought was worth mentioning on uh, Jalen Ramsey, it, we've, we're halfway through the season now, and he just this past game got his first pass interference call of the season. I thought that was pretty worthwhile. Mm, so. it, it felt it, it felt like it could have gone, you know, half and half, but... Yeah, that's yeah, the way it goes, it, right? <laughs> yeah, and he still hasn't been called for a hold yet this year either. So one pass interference and still hasn't been called for a hold. So uh, Jalen Ramsey definitely came out and said, hey, you know what? I'm still here too. This isn't just Aaron Donald's defense. Now, I also was blown away by D. Will, so I'm going to let you talk about D. Will. No, I mean, listen, here's a player who, which, you know what I'm saying, like we didn't know much about. Right. And then all of a sudden here he comes and he's playing on the other side of Ramsey and he's just he's around the football, man. And listen, you were talking about how the how like the linebackers per se and the whole secondary besides Ramsey that was one on one mostly with DK was playing zone. What was the difference though, between this game and other games? The communication was there um, besides maybe two plays where I think it was a screen or a swing pass to Freddie Swain and an open Greg Olson down the middle. Every other player of the Seahawks that caught the football got tackled right away or they or there was a Rams body right in front of them. And those are things that, you know, we need to give the, you know, we need to uh, really see and recognize because against, you know, the 49ers, that was a terrible, terrible thing that we kept seeing, right, uh, throughout the whole game, man. But D-Will, man, listen, his his ball awareness is amazing. Um, and listen, he's not a big guy. He's He's he he just seems like a normal cornerback out there just making plays, but man, his smarts of knowing how to play the position and being able to put himself in in ways of just you know being a ball hog, man, that's just amazing to watch, man. And if he can keep this going, man, we 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 I think we have something here, um, Nick. I'm not saying that he's you know like the next combo of Bobby Taylor and Troy Vincent, right, or anything like that. But man, if he keeps this up right there. Um, you know, Coach Daly's going to have something where he can actually probably do other things um, as the season goes on in order to, um, you know, being able to shut down these offenses, you know, per se, you know, right, you know, either close to the playoffs or whatever the case may be. But it's exciting to watch. It's exciting to witness. You know what I'm saying? And listen, while DK is getting shut down by Jalen, Tyler Lockett's no slouch, man. Freddie Swain, listen, I watched him at Florida. He's one of the best slot guys ever. Okay, like these guys besides DK are are not guys that, you know, don't perform. Okay, like these guys, when, you know, when DK is getting double teamed, that means Tyler Lockett and Freddie Swain are getting the football. And for D-Will to come up big, man, and make those interceptions count when they need it in a crucial game like this against Russell Wilson, man, it's, it's, it's great to see it. It's amazing to witness it. And, man, let's just keep it rolling. Let's keep it going, man, against, you know, this Bucks offense that we know can be um, quite versatile, quite great. Of course, it's Tom Brady back there. 
Um, you know, so it's it's something that I'm hoping that the defense can build on. And, and as time goes on, man, maybe, you know, Staley has something here that he can work with, knowing that he can trust you will again one on one because he knows he can do that with Jalen Ramsey. So imagine a defense where you have Aaron Donald getting triple team, but you, you can count on a Floyd or on a Fox to create pressure. And then your linebackers are finally communicating right in this whole zone scheme and then being able to have two quarterbacks that can cover two wide receivers one on one. Man, that is just defensive dreams right there if you're a Rams fan. Yeah, and one of my biggest concerns going into this season was the fact that they didn't bring back Nikhil Roby Coleman, and I thought... By the way, he's been horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Aside from... from, uh, Means garbage it's, in Spanish. I'm so it sorry. does. Lava very familiar. Very familiar. You can't grow up in California and not know some Spanish. Um, I didn't know who was going to be the other guy next to Ramsey, and it looks like Darius Williams might be that guy, uh, which if you know his story, it's kind of uh, it's kind of unexpected. It, it do, mm-hmm. I don't know where this is coming from because this was a guy that, he wasn't even drafted. He was an undrafted free agent that was signed by the Ravens in 2018. And then he got waived uh, about five months later. Then the Rams picked him up in October of 2018 off the waiver wire. So this was a guy that wasn't even drafted. He was a waiver wire pickup. And he's turning into a guy that could legitimately make the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, he And he picked off Russ twice. And he had a really big breakup in the end zone, too, in this last game. And I don't know about you, but I feel like every interception he makes is like a highlight real play. It's like a video game interception. Like, it doesn't make any sense how he gets to the ball sometimes. Which is why, you know, it's like I just, you know, I just referenced the way that he's able to put himself in a position to make these plays is just amazing, right? Because it's not like a – like, it's not like, you know, for example, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to kill my man rap here, okay? I'm not trying. Listen, he had a forced fumble against Miami. It was great to see. It's great to finally see him make a play. But Darius Williams has created such an impact on this defense already with what he's done. It's the plays that he's creating. It's not like the quarterback is falling down on the ground and he's getting the ball thrown right at him, right? He's reaching up with his hands. He's pinpointing the football. He's putting, like I said, he's putting himself in a position to make plays, which is what you want your cornerbacks to do not only to cover the man that they're covering, but to be able to ball hawk it, man. He's just doing things that, you know, I would want Taylor Rapp to do, but you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to harp on my man too much, man, because who knows? Maybe he'll come up big sooner or later, man. It's just, wow. It's just, listen, this guy, you know, college was UAB out of Jacksonville, Florida, undrafted. And if any defense would have probably, you know, seen the skill in him, it would have been Baltimore, correct? But Baltimore didn't keep him, you know? And I understand they have Marcus Peters and Humphreys and whatnot, but you're, you you mean to tell me that Baltimore can't have another cornerback, especially playing in the uh, slot, especially when they're playing Pittsburgh? Man, like, those are things that I think, you know, should be able to be alerted, per se, right? But hey, it's great that he's a, he's a Ram. I'm hoping that contract talks are already happening. I know it's probably too early about it, but you got to see that the plays that this young man is making on the field doesn't happen to every single guy. Yeah. So before we move on to the Bucks, we'll touch on a few of the negatives. Obviously, the game wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. The biggest issue is arguably the best left, left tackle this season, maybe even the best tackle in football this season, has been... Andrew Whitworth, 
and he had a pretty gruesome-looking knee injury. But the good news is it's not ACL-related. It's MCL and PCL, and the hope is that in six or eight weeks, he'll be able to come back, and maybe if we get into the playoffs to get a deep run, he'll be back on the team. So that's going to be an issue going forward because we already saw this not this exact scenario play out last year, but we saw last year what can happen if your offensive line starts getting hurt and you have to start doing like this rotation and just filler after filler and the line starts getting just like, you know, mesh and it's really, really bad. So we'll see what happens um, going forward at left tackle. Everything that I've heard so far, it's going to be Joe Noteboom's role to kind of step into. So We'll see how it goes, but obviously losing arguably the best tackle in the league for this long a period of time, we're talking about the last half of the season, that's going to be really tough. So we'll see how the team handles that going forward, but obviously would love to get him back. And hopefully my first thought, and I guess this is bad, but my first thought was, man, he's done like that was my first thought as soon as I saw the replay I was like that looks really bad and I know that Andrew Whitworth is I believe 37 years old so to be that old and be that size and have that kind of knee injury my first thought in my head was oh my god he's done like he not done for the year he's done he won't be able to come back and play at all but all indications are that he's planning on rehabbing and he's planning on coming back so whether that means he's planning on coming back next season who the hell knows but At least he's planning on coming back later this year. Uh, I don't know if it looked like this to you, but to me, there's still some plays where I feel like Jared Goff is gun shy. Um, Uh, Yeah. There are some moments where the commentators kind of picked up on it too, but I feel like there's some throws where I feel like he looks downfield for a split second and then immediately just comes right off of it because he doesn't like it or or whatever he's seeing and he immediately takes the check down or something like that and it's just I don't know I don't know why he's so gun shy I don't know if it's maybe some talks with Sean McVay and and Sean is saying hey you're being too reckless out there or what the case is but have you noticed that at all or do you think that that's not really something and I'm making something up no, 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 you're not making that up, Nick, but at the end of the day, like, we've seen what Jared is, right? And unfortunately, he he showed up um, in his worst performance against Miami, and a little bit of his of his hesitation that he had this last game that definitely showed up. So my issue is, though, if your first and second reads are not there, it's always good to go down to your to your man that's coming out of the backfield or to your third option, right? But, my, but he, what... What Jared Goff is doing is being so hesitant, and he's wasting time. He's he's wasting seconds. By that time, you can't expect your offensive line to already be blocking four to five seconds, right? Unless the play is to be developed within after five seconds, which I don't know how that happens in the NFL, right? Because my whole thing is, if you don't have a blocking scheme that's you know that's solid, you get rid of the football in three seconds or less. He's just patting the football and looking, and when his first and second people, his first and second options are not there. He seems to get flustered. Um, and you know what? That's reminding me a little bit of what happened in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, man. And it's it's something that's never left Jared Goff. Like, let's be honest here. It's something that, to me personally, it's it, it makes him who he is. And those are things that I feel like as the season progresses, entering the playoffs, you need to fix those things because, you know, you, you're not always going to be able to 
you know, listen, your your main guys, and because if you look at who he threw it to this game, you can kind of tell what the Seahawks came into this game for, right? Let's shut down Cooper Cup. Let's shut down Robert Woods. Both of them only had five catches each. Um, the most was was with Cup with fifty yards. But Josh Reynolds had one of the biggest games after having a horrific game in Miami with eight receptions, almost 100 yards. Okay, Tyler Higby had more yardage combined than than Cooper Cup, right? So, you know, Goff has to stop relying so much and looking at Woods and Cup and start seeing that he has other guys available that are there to make plays. And like I'm trying to say, when it's the whole thing of golf, you know, sitting back there in the pocket, waiting one second, two seconds, and seeing his two options are not there, that's when he gets flustered. Like, I feel like he needs to be more decisive. Get rid of it. Don't think about it. If it's not there, it's okay to survive and go after 10 yards for the first down again, okay? Because then you cause fumbles, you get sacked. And now that you don't have a left tackle where you kind of known all your career, right? Because Whitworth's been there since he got drafted, correct? So now – you now have to scheme, so to say, towards that side. But this is when I say this is why you have a coach in Sean McVay, who's an offensive guy. I almost called him an offensive genius. I need, I need, <laughs> I need to see more of it, right, Nick? Like we need to see more, more things happen in a positive way before I say that. But you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have that solid left tackle. What are you gonna do now? To me, I would run the football more away from that side. I, I would try to get more swing passes towards that side. Whoever, listen, if the team you're facing has a pass rusher that's playing absolutely out of his mind, then obviously, you know, you got to chip on. You got to put a tight end on that side. You got to be able to just make sure that he's away because, listen, not, nothing gets no boom per se, but if the left, but if the backup left tackle is not in sync with the quarterback and the quarterback is already having issues passing the football after his first or second wins are not there, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, I the other thing that I'll hit on before we move on because you kind of touched on it being offensive genius. I'm getting really, really tired of seeing these BS third down screens. Um, it's really getting old, and I don't care if it's a running back screen or a wide receiver screen, a tight end screen. When we when we're at third down and we just do some garbage screen that gets like two yards and then we punt the ball it's getting really really frustrating and I don't know if it's bad coaching and bad play calling on McVay's part or if this is McVay telling us I don't trust Jared Goff to make a tight throw or I don't trust Goff to read the field right here and get us a first down so we're gonna do a safe check down screenplay I don't know what it is but I'm getting really freaking tired of seeing these BS screens on third down that do nothing for us. So I, I think though, Nick, that Sean probably realizes though that, right. And so I don't think golf has an opportunity to check out of it. And those are things like, if you look at all the plays that have become third down and screens, you never see like blocking adjustments or whatnot. It's like that play was called and it's what you're going to run. Right. So I, I'm pretty sure that has to be either a trust issue. But listen, I don't mind if it's third and short, right? Third and three, third and two. I, I get it. You wanna if if the if you know if the if you got three wide receivers to one side, right? And all freaking quarterbacks are five yards apart and it's third and three, okay. Okay. If you don't get three yards after the quarterbacks are five yards apart, it's because your wide receivers are not blocking correctly. I don't have an issue with that. But what I do have an issue with is third and seven, third and eight. 
those are the screenplays that I'm sure you're talking about that just drive me absolutely nuts. You need to throw the football down the field to create plays, not go backwards five yards and then, you know, expect in the NFL that the defense doesn't catch up to it, right? Because now instead of you being seven yards away from the first down, you're now 13 yards away from the first down. Not to mention now you're the pressure is on for whoever's out there to block these guys. Okay, that's my thing. So I don't know if you can kind of agree or maybe you think there's something else to it as well. I honestly don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it's uh, just bad coaching, like bad play calling, or if this is Sean McVay literally telling everybody, because that's what he was essentially doing out loud, if this is the case, literally telling everybody, Jared Goff isn't good enough to beat you guys, so we're going to do a screen call and hope that it works. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. I guess we'll see how it plays out over the coming weeks, but all I know is I'm just getting really tired of it. It's, It's getting old. Uh, so we'll move on to the next game, which is going to be against the Buccaneers. We talked about these guys in the offseason when we were doing our NFC South preview. And the opinions on this team were all over the place. I think Aaron said they weren't going to make the playoffs. I think you and me said they would. They would um, yeah. We didn't know what this defense was going to be because last year the defense was absolute trash. So we didn't know what the defense was going to be this year. We didn't know. Uh, I, I think at the time, I think when we recorded, I think Tom Brady was on the team. I, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. there were, this team is not last year's Buccaneers at all. This team is uh, very, very different. So this team is coming in 7-3. and three. They're in second place in the NFC South. Uh, this is their second season under Bruce Arians. Right now their offense is looking really good. They're uh, in sixth out of 32 teams. Their defense has been the biggest upgrade. Their defense went from being one of the worst to now one of the best. They're eighth out of 32 as far as points against. So this team, very, very different. I mean, I I guess it's more than one thing. It's not just schematically they're different in players, but it's not just Tom Brady. I mean, this team now has Leonard Fournette. This team just got Antonio Brown. This team also now has um, Rob Gronkowski. Like, this Buccaneers team is very, very different than the one that came in and walloped the Rams last season. So, and this matchup is also going to be on Monday Night Football. So, another primetime matchup for the Rams. Everyone is probably going to be, I would assume, rooting for the Bucs because it's Tom Brady. I mean... There's, he's kind of a polarizing guy. Some people love him. Some people hate him. There's really no in between there, but well, I, think I know, that- I know that you don't think that he has it anymore, but I think I was the only one probably out of all three of us that said he still does. Um, but I still need to see more, man. There's, there's uh, I'm <laughs> actually a Tom Brady guy. I've always loved Tom. Brady. Really? I, yeah. I'm yeah, trying yeah. to think of our conversation in the off you're, season. Where you're thinking of Aaron because Aaron, oh, Aaron. Okay. Aaron's the hardcore. He's a Rams fan, but he's also a hardcore Raiders fan. And he's still mm-hmm. to this day uh, because of the tuck game. He still oh. <laughs> with a passion hates Tom Brady. So uh, can't, I guess I can't fault him. Cause that, you know, looking back on it, that probably wasn't the right call, but a is what it is. So yeah, Aaron, uh, not a Tom Brady guy. I, however, am a Tom Brady guy. And I said, if I remember right, that he had the chance to win another MVP this year because he's going from new England where his best wide receiver was Rob Gronkowski when he wasn't hurt and Julian Edelman. 
to now he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Antonio also, Brown. Yeah. Oh, also by the way, <laughs> Antonio Brown. So, I mean, it, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he will just keep on playing for the next couple of years and still be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, going into this game, do you, this is kind of a, I guess, black or white kind mm-hmm. of question, but uh, if you had to put it on one side of the ball as far as who needs to win this game for the Rams, do you think the Rams' offense needs to step up and win this game for them, or do you think the defense is going to have to keep doing what they've been doing and it's going to be up to the defense to win this game? Nick, I'm going to go with offense, man. I I feel like if the Rams' defense can at least – you know, put them in a man in a manageable position, right in the fourth quarter. Let's say that the game is you know very close by one or two possessions, maybe ten points or so. Um, I think this offense still needs to actually come out here and start scoring and scoring fast, right? Like none of these you know third and shorts, and you're not able to complete a first down type of deal. We need we you know we need points on the board, okay? Because um, not saying listen. Not saying that I don't trust this Rams. Uh, this Rams defense. Listen, if D. Wells coming off one of the best games he's ever had in his career, thank goodness this game is up next, right? Because he's going to be looking at Mike Evans. He's going to be looking at Rob Rob Kronkowski and O.J. Howard when they you know when they just stretch out wide. He's going to be looking at Godwin. He's going to be looking at Antonio Brown. Like this is not Freddie Swain. This is not Lockett. Okay. Um. But once again, this is when a player like Jalen Ramsey to me makes a difference, right? You go out there. Um, I don't expect them to be on Mike Evans all night, unless all of a sudden, if Antonio Brown is getting hot, what do you do, right? Does so Staley all of a sudden say, hey, let's switch it up a little bit. You go on Batman. But then listen, this is when you got to see, is D-Will ready? Is he ready for a challenge, man? Is he ready to step up once again in this league? Is he ready? Okay. Because if he's able to play the way he did this past game and be able to shut down one of these other guys and let Jalen Ramsey do his, I have pure confidence in the guys up front, man. Um, you know, I'm saying, listen, it's it's not the best offensive line, but of course, when you have a way receiving core the way that the Bucks do, you don't need much time to block, right? So this is when I say the offense to me is gonna it's gonna have to carry the the team in this game and score. And when I say score, I don't mean get in the red zone, um, get in the red zone and kick field goals. I mean get in there, score touchdowns, um, because that to me, towards you know, as the game goes on, is going to show me what the results might be, okay? Um, you know, because me and you know, we just talked about this Bucks offense. Realistically speaking, okay, realistically speaking, this is an, this is a passing league, right? So you would want to give up maybe two touchdowns, maybe even three per se. You're expecting your offense to do the same without question. So this is why I say that the offense to me has to come out with a set mentality, especially when not having, not having your left tackle. Now the other team knows that. How are they going to approach that? Will they send pressure from, you know, Goff's backside? They've seen Goff on film. They know that after you take out his first two guys, his first two options, he gets hesitant. What are you going to do? Okay. They have one of the best middle linebackers, young guys ever, in Devin White, who runs sideline to sideline league at, at a 4-2 speed clip for, for freaking 40 yards. You know, like, what are you going to do? So this is when yeah. I say that McVay has to come up with a scheme that just absolutely counters everything that the Bucks do and get touchdowns on the board early. Yeah, the uh, the loss of Andrew Whitworth is definitely going to be tested this week. It's huge, absolutely the, uh, huge. 
the Buccaneers defense is second in the league in sacks, and you're going to have to worry about guys like Shaq Barrett and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. So definitely going to be tested this week. I mean, he's literally getting thrown into the fire, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I agree with you. I think that if the Rams do win this game, it's going to be because of their offense. I think if they struggle on offense, there's only so much the defense can do, and we can only expect them to be great for so long you can't expect them to just consistently shut people out all the time that's just not realistic this is the nfl these guys are pros that's not going to happen every week so the offense i think is going to have to be the key contributing factor as to why the rams win this game uh the buccaneers are actually number one against the run so you would assume that goff is going to have another one of those games where he's going to throw the ball 35 40 times, something like that. And the Rams are number one against the pass. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks go about that. If, are they going to use a lot more of Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette? Are they going to do maybe more screens? Interesting to see how that dynamic kind of plays out. Um, I feel like I, I really want to say that the Rams win this game because I'm a fan, obviously, but I feel like my head is telling me the Bucks win this game. And I, I don't know, I can't pinpoint it on one certain thing other than I'm just not convinced right now that our offense is good enough, especially with the Whitworth injury. I don't know if we're good enough right now to come in against this pass rush and put up the amount of points that we need to win. No, I mean, I think you make great points, right? I mean, you, you go, listen, if we had, you know, Whitworth in this game, you you probably think a little different, right? Because now all of a sudden, it's not that you have to change the way you run your offense. It's just that now you're more vulnerable to one side, and it's the side where he's not going to be able to, where your quarterback is not going to be able to, you know, be able to have confidence in knowing that you know there's a guy out there that's going to, you know, have your back. Now you got to kind of, you know, switch a little bit to one side, and you got to watch what the defensive scheme is coming from the other side. And listen, JPP with one hand. It's just as good with JBP with one finger. The man literally is relentless at the pass rush per se, right? So that's definitely one guy you got to watch. Um, but again, it's not like Andrew is coming back next week. I mean, he's out six to eight weeks and probably even longer. So at some point, you're going to have to scheme an offense where it's going to go out there and that's it, right? Like That's what you're going to be with. Like Those are the guys out there that are going to have to make plays. This coaching yeah. staff on offense has to come up, you know, in the next couple of weeks, man. Listen, because you play Tampa Bay on Monday. You play, I believe, San Francisco at home the following week, okay? And then you go to Arizona, okay? And then, you know, listen, I'm not even going to circle the Patriots because to me, they're, they're to me, are not really important. <laughs> I'm not trying to sound like I'm not giving them credit, but to me, the Patriots are going to, you know, I think at some point, um, you know, because they can't keep, you know, their – the, the way that they're playing ball right now just doesn't sustain itself to be consistent, right, per se. But Tampa, San Francisco, and Arizona, two teams in your division after you play, you're going to have to come up with a sort of scheme without Andrew. And what better way to know what you have right away against this Bucks defense, right? It's not your typical game that you want to get into, but this is the NFL. And, you know, you're, you still have paid, paid professionals um, on the other side. 
And this is why you go out and you scout and you draft and then you go into free agency looking for these key guys that can create an impact when time is needed. My friend, no boom, right now is when you're needed. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, if he can come out in this game and, and at least hold his own, uh, that bodes well for the Rams. That's Absolutely. huge. So we'll see. The guys in Vegas think that the Buccaneers are going to win this game. They're four-point favorites. They are they are the home team, too, so that plays into it as well. But the Bucks are four-point favorites. Uh, the money line is on them as well at minus 189. So uh, all signs, at least the betting public, all signs are pointing towards the Bucks. The over-under is set at 48.5. I feel like that would – I feel like the safe bet there would probably be to take the over because both these offenses – are probably going to be throwing the ball a lot. So the odds of there being a lot of points, I feel like is pretty good, but these defenses are also really good. So it wouldn't surprise me either if we got to the fourth quarter and it was like a 13, 10 ball game, this game could go so many different ways. So I think it's going to be a hell of a game to watch. Uh, I hope it is. I hope this isn't one of those games where like we were playing the dolphins and by halftime I was out of it. So I'm really hoping for a good game. Um, my official prediction, I'm not really a, a points person, but I feel like it'll be relatively close. I do feel like the Bucks are going to win this one. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I do feel like the Bucks are going to win this one. I don't know how you see this one playing out, Manny, but I'd love to hear it. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you are missing a left tackle. Um, anytime in football where you're missing your left tackle, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you're playing on the road Monday night. Listen, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it can be said that the crowds are not really a factor. Um, so, but again, I mean, we haven't seen this offense be consistent, right? I mean, you know, they score zero points against, you know, up up in Western New York in the first half or whatnot, and then all of a sudden they score thirty plus. I mean, I think the only game where they actually played on a consistent basis on offense was what probably Washington, maybe Philly for sure, right? So, but yet they haven't played at the level that you'd expect it to. So I guess that's the only thing that I guess is drawing me and maybe you um, saying that the Bucs will win. Um, listen, I think the Bucs will win this game, but I have a feeling that we're going to come out of this game with knowing something. Either the offense has, you know, looked better or that whatever the defense did last week is a fluke. And I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, all I'm I, think, <laughs> I think this is, this is definitely one of those – Identity I mean, games or statement games, however you want to phrase it, where at yes. the end of it, you're going to know going forward the second half of the season, okay, th this is kind of where we are now post-Whitworth injury and all that other stuff. This is where we are now. This is what we need to do. And this is what we need to do to beat the good teams. We've already seen that we could beat up on all the teams in the NFC East. That doesn't really say a whole lot. If you guys want to actually be a playoff team, win against the good teams, this is what we need from you guys. So we'll see going forward. I think this is going to be a, one of those games where at the end of this season, whatever, whenever this season ends, I think we look back on this game. I think this is going to be one of those games. You look back on it and you say that was a game that was like a bookmark in the season. Like something changed there. We figured something out or something happened and the the season either trends up from here or could potentially trend down. So 
we'll see. I think it's going to be a really big game. Uh, any final thoughts or anything before we get out of here, Manny? Anything we didn't yeah. cover? No, Nick. So I wanted to ask you, did you like the uniform combo last Sunday? I did uh, not. I'm trying to think. Was last Sunday, was it the Royal and Bone? Was that what it was? Royal and Bone, correct. Royal and okay. Bone. I, I, don't, I don't like that combination. It doesn't um, seem Ram-esque to me. So I'm already on record as saying that I don't correct. like these, these uniforms <laughs> at all. <laughs> Which is um, the reason why I'm asking you if you like like half and half of them because I didn't like that, that scheme at all. Like either you go Royal or Royal, you go Royal and Gold. I'm not with Royal and Bone. I didn't. I didn't hate it as much as I thought because I saw on Twitter that someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone tweeted out and said, you know, Hey, it's going to be Royal and bone. And I was like, okay, well that sounds absolutely terrible. So we're going to look, you know, really bad for this game. (laughs) But then I saw them on TV and I was like, okay, I, I don't hate it as much as I thought, but by no means does that mean I like these uniforms? Cause like I said, I already have said many times I don't like them. Um, but I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to, if that makes any sense. Okay. No, I mean, I just wanted your opinion because I know that you were already since the beginning, you weren't liking them already. I mean, listen, I don't mind the bone and bone on the road. I don't mind the, the, uh, bone and, and Royal blue on, on the uh, road, which I think that's what we're going with. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't seen, um, Twitter yet or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of the Royal and bone. I don't know. It just doesn't look right at home. It just doesn't to me. Yeah. I think the best uh, Rams colors, if we're talking uniform combo, I think the classic Ram look is going to be the blue up top with the yellow down below. I think that's going to be, universally speaking, if you think of Rams football, regardless of whenever, you're that's probably the combo you're going to think of, um, unless you get, I guess, really uh attached to the St. Louis Rams then maybe you would think like navy blue and gold or something but wasn't a fan of those either so I'm not really going to talk about those but um I do hope at some point this season and I'm assuming it's not going to happen because no one has mentioned it but I personally really loved the Rams color rush jerseys with the like yellow on yellow I really like that look but I I maybe I'm in the minority there I really hope at some point this season or next season we actually get another set like that or we do the yellow on yellow because I like that look, but maybe that's just me. So uh, next week, hopefully, we're recapping a win. We'll see. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, As always, we thank you for listening, guys, and we will talk to you next time.